when I want to share the, a message with you that I started last week and will probably continue the next week and maybe the week after. And the title of the message last week and again, actually the title for the series is this, Overcoming the I Can'ts. Overcoming the I Can'ts. And the Lord impressed this upon me about, about two weeks ago. I was looking at some things, and I shared this with you last week, but I was looking at some things related to my life and just kind of doing an inventory of, of where, what happened last year and what I'm believing for and the goals and vision I want to see take place this year. And I wrote some things down that I identified in my own life as limiting beliefs. In other words, things that, that could limit what God wanted to do in my life. Do you believe you can limit what God wants to do in your life? You can. You can certainly limit what God desires to do in your life. Wrong thinking produces, you know, wrong believing. Actions are produced because of wrong thinking and wrong believing that you don't want to see happen. And I'm not going to ask anybody, but have you ever been around the same mountain over and over and over again? All of us have. All of us at some point in our life, maybe you're there right now, you've been around the same mountain. Here we go again. Here we go. I've seen like this all looks familiar. It's like I've been here before and we go, I have. When I believe this is the breakout year, amen, because there's some things that will change, not outwardly, not outwardly, things that will change inwardly, things that will change as a result of us seeing things differently, seeing things the way God wants us to see things. You know, the way that God sees us and the way we see ourselves, there's a big difference, huge difference in the way God sees us. God sees us as the righteousness of God in Christ. God sees us as overcomers. God already sees you winning. He calls the end from the beginning. I mean, he says this about you and me, but we don't always see ourselves like that. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't always see myself like that. I'm still on a journey just like you. I'm on a journey of the Lord helping me overcome insecurities. Overcoming wrong way of thinking. Amen? Overcoming things that maybe I've let in my past hold me back. That have limited what God wants to do in my life. We identified those things as I can'ts. You might, you might have said it like this. I won't. I never. Anybody ever said that before? Don't raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. <clears throat> I never seem to get ahead. I never get a break. I can't do this. I can't be free. I can't. I can't. And we don't realize sometimes how that the things that we say form our worlds. Amen. The worlds were framed how? By the Word of God. Our worlds are framed by our words. The things that we say about ourselves, the things that we say about the situations and circumstances that we encounter in life. And, and God, I, I believe now, this is just my picture of this, okay? This is my picture. But I believe that, that, that God's up there in heaven, I'm picturing this, and he's going, just give me something to work with. You say, I can't, and he goes, oh, I can't work with that. I never, uh. no, give, give him something to work with. The scripture says, awesome verse of scripture in Psalm says this, that the angels are hearkening to the voice of the word of God. They're, what, are they hearkening? what does that mean? They're listening for. I mean, they're just ready to, be, to, to go to work when they hear the Word of God. And it's not just the Word coming out of God's mouth. God's Word coming out of His mouth is powerful, you know. But God's Word coming out of our mouth, come on now, is powerful too. And angels are just going, just give me something to work with. 
You've all heard that phrase. You know, help, help me here. Help us out here, brother. And so we realize that, that he's, the angels are heart listening to the word of God. What, what God says, and we're agreeing with it. We're joining our faith with what God says. We begin to see things change in our life. And that's an ongoing process. It doesn't happen overnight. <clears throat> Excuse me. It doesn't happen because you come to one service and hear two messages on overcoming I can'ts. It's a lifelong process. It's a journey that God takes us on. You know, Moses was someone that God used mildly, but Moses had this idea of himself that he couldn't do it. God said, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. Moses, I can't do it. Can't do it. I can't. I don't talk well enough. You know, I just, I've got too many limitations. And, And Moses was looking at the weaknesses in his life. He wasn't considering the one that said it to him. He was considering the weaknesses. And we all know our weaknesses. All of us have Let's say it like this. All of us have areas that the Lord's helping us overcome. Amen. Every single person in this place, myself included. But God, you know, wants to just say, or God is saying to us, just stay with me. Just don't give up on the process. You know, that's a popular term now in athletics, the process. You know, and, and what it means is basically this. Let's just take care of what we can do every day to, to get better. And this is from a natural standpoint, but it, it can apply spiritually. Let's just do every day what we can do to improve. Every day what we can do to renew our minds to the Word of God. Every day what we can do to help somebody else on this journey. Everybody, what we can do every day, not just look at our own little world, but look at the world outside of our world and what God can do to help me bring change and, and help and encouragement to somebody else and just do the process. Does that make sense? And then what happens when at the end you see results and you don't focus on the results. You don't focus on, you know, what is being done or what's not being done, but we focus on the end and we get there and we go, look what God did. And it's just allowing him to work this process. And we're going to talk about this this morning, what that process looks like. But too many people have allowed the world to define them. Yes. You know, what's been said. You know, people have told me before in in years gone by, you know, Pastor, my parents told me they didn't want me and I would never amount to anything. You know, gosh, that's tough when you hear that. And have to overcome that, that mindset of I, I can't or you'll never amount to anything or you're not going to be like your brother. You're not going to be as good as your sister. You'll never amount to what they achieved. My goodness, how difficult it can be for us to try to live up to that. And God doesn't want us trying to live up to other people's expectations. God wants us to live up to what he expects and see that, and let that work in our life, and do something in you and in your family you could never do for yourself. Amen. Never do it. So we're not going to let the world define us. We're going to let God define us. Let what he says about us, not let our worst mistake define us. He that has not made a mistake, would you please stand up and cast the first stone? Please don't stand up. I know you won't. I know you won't. All of us have. All of us have said things and done things, and it's like, you know, how could you, uh, you know, how could you say that or do that? And I've done it. You have well, but we're not going to let our worst mistakes, or our failures, define us. Amen. I sure am glad. I sure am glad that Paul didn't like his failure of being right there when they stoned Stephen to define his life. I, can, I can't move beyond this. There's just no way I can move beyond. Actually, and this is you know, what I'm saying that Paul could have said. I can't move beyond this. Here I am 
Here's this man that was, I mean, when he looked at his face, it looked like an angel. Just, I mean, radiating the presence and the glory of God. And there, people are stoning him. Can you just imagine what that scene might look like? And how that he, you know, could have let that define the rest of his life. But he had an encounter. Come on now, he had an encounter with Jesus. And what did it do? It changed his life. It caused him to not let that worst mistake of his life define him. No, he's, I'm going to let the grace of God. And Paul knew something about the grace of God. Paul knew something about the mercy of God. And he let that mercy, let that grace work in his life. And lift him up to a place where God was able to use him and, and, and pen two-thirds of the New Testament and, and bring such change to, to the world at that time. Glory to God. But he didn't let his worst mistake define him. And folks, there's something I want to just spend just a little bit of time on here this morning. And, and it's, it just seems like it's really important to me. And I trust that you'll feel the same way once I share it. But we that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are children of God. We are children of God. I am a child of God. God is my Father. Jesus is my elder brother. The Holy Spirit is my guide and comforter in life. I have the Godhead working in my life. Amen. I'm a child of God. And, and Jesus said this, and this is what got me thinking about this. When, when Jesus was getting ready to go back to heaven, he was at the last week of his life, he was teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he said this, I, I'm not going to leave you alone. He said, I'm going to come to you, and the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. He's going to be working through you. But then he would say this. He said, I'm not going to leave you orphanless or as orphans. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And that's what that word orphans means. It, means. it means comfortless or, listen, it means fatherless. And, I, you know, maybe there's people in here that, that were orphans. And we've read stories and heard accounts about orphans, how that they, you know, they're, they're kids that are just abandoned, just taken somewhere and left just like, just like trash, if you will, and, and given no consideration. And, 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 and people feel like that there's nothing in them that can ever amount to anything. Listen, folks, we are not orphans. Amen. Sometimes we can have a mentality that tells us that we're not important, that we're not valuable. And yeah, you may be a Christian, and yeah, you may be a, a child of God, but you can't expect a whole lot. Don't expect a whole lot. Don't, don't, don't expect, you know, too much. Don't, don't get your hopes up because you, you might be disappointed. I'm here to tell you, I'm a hope spreader here today. I'm a, I'm a hope declarer here today. And not some kind of wishful thinking hope, not some kind of worldly hope. I'm talking about a hope that's found in the person of Jesus Christ. A hope that can make a difference in your life, made a difference in my life, can make a difference in any and every person's life that will just say here, I accept you. So we're, we're not orphans. We've been brought into the family of God. I want to read something to you. This is from the, the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And if you would just follow with me, this is from the Passion Translation. And man, when I read this, I'm telling you what, I about had me a shouting spell right there. Sitting in the place where I do a lot of my study. I mean, I read, I never read it before in this translation. And I read this and it went, I went, whoa. 
This helps so much in what we're talking about when you and I see ourselves the way God sees us. Listen to these words. This is Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. This is from the Passion Translation. It reads like this. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Religious duty. In other words, just kind of going through the motions of things. Doing it because you, you have to do it. Doing it because you feel obligated to do it. He said this. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear. Listen to this, church family. The fear of never being good enough. I'm going to ask you a question. No, don't please just look straight ahead. Has anybody ever had that thought? You just don't feel like you're good enough. Well, imagine the thought probably is, has come to us. We compare ourselves against other people, or, and we look like, man, I'm just not measuring up. I'm not as smart. I, I don't have the, the talent. You know, I'm not as good looking, blah, 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 blah. And we just keeps going on and on, and we just, it's like we just, just don't measure up. We don't, you know, we feel like that, that, we're not really, that we're not really qualified. Never being good enough. You know something? God made me and you good enough. In ourselves, we can't be good enough. We can't do enough good works, enough good deeds to try to impress God. But He's the one that did this for us. Oh, hallelujah. Never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. Who don't you like that? What is that? I just sit like this. God just taking people and he's just getting us all immersed in the family of God. He made a bunch of folks that weren't good enough. He made us good enough. He, we are his workmanship, the Bible says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. Never feel, never feel comfortless. Never feel like you're alone. Listen, never feel like you can't do it. That you don't measure, that you're not good enough. You'll never, uh, it says this, um, and you'll never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. <laughs> Beloved Father, you made me good enough. I'm not, a, I'm not just doing this because I have to. I'm doing it because I want to. You've given me a spirit of liberty. And my heart cries, Abba, Father. Amen. And so when we get this mindset begins to, this change continually takes place in us, it helps to drive out those, I can't do it. I'll never measure up. I'm not good enough. I can't get ahead. I can't have a good marriage. I mean, I just, you keep going back to these I can'ts that bind us. Folks, you know what kept the children of Israel out of the promised land? It wasn't the giants. It wasn't the walled cities. You know what it was? Three things. What they said, what they saw, and how they saw themselves. Because God had already said to them what? Go in and possess the land. It's your land. It's, it's, I've I given it to you. I said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is your land. Go in and possess the land. But they said some things, we can't do this. They saw, you know, they, they saw the giants. And yeah, they were giants, but they, they made the giants shoes that they could never overcome. But then how they saw themselves. How did they see themselves? This grasshopper, I, I can't, we can't do this. But folks, I'm telling you what, 
me and you and any person that's a born-again child of God is not a grasshopper. Amen. Who are we, Pastor? We're born again, blood-washed, part of the family of a living God. Amen. Never alone, never without comfort, never fatherless. Jesus said the whole, you guys are going to leave me, everybody's going to forsake me. But he would say this, I'm never alone because the Father's always with me. Yay, God. Amen. Who he is. And when we begin to see who he is and that he hasn't left us in this, this place of being forlorn or comfortless and how that he's come to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. That we can do all things because we are his workmanship. Listen to this last verse. Verse 16 of Romans 8 says this. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood. Oh, I love this. Makes God's fatherhood real to us. Don't get a hold of this. It makes the father, uh, God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. It's like this whispers into our heart or your spirit. He whispers into our being, you are God's beloved child. Can somebody just thank God in here this morning for that? Thank God we're born again children of God. And the Almighty says about us is what I'm going to believe. Not what I hear other people say. Not what the world says. I'm not going to let them define me. I'm going to listen to what the Father says about me. Listen, you can do it. You can do it. You can overcome the things that devil's tried to bring against your life. And so many times those limiting beliefs just kind of keep us stagnant. I remember reading a story, maybe you read this too, sometime back about Elephants, you know, how that when elephants, especially if they're going to be trained in circuses, and I'm not sure if they still do this or not, but I went online, looked at this, and this, this was the way they actually did it, that when they would train elephants, you know, when they, were, when they were little, they would put a rope around their foot, and they would tie it to a stake or to a small, usually a stake when they were young. And so they would try to get away, but they couldn't get away. But as they got older, they would quit trying. Or if they would try, they would move their leg just a little bit, and they'd feel that tension, and guess what they'd do? They'd put their leg back. They couldn't do it. And so as they got older, they would use the same rope, not a bigger rope because they were bigger, knowing that at any time if they really wanted to, they could just take their foot and go, uh-uh, I'm not being held by this, and break loose. But they use that same rope that keeps them thinking, I can't break loose of this. And how many times do I wonder, we, we feel a little tension sometimes. Because listen, the devil's not going to just sit back and go, rah, rah, yeah, you're making good progress. I'm happy for you. I am so happy that you finally ha have had it revealed to you that, that deception has been working in your life, that you've been blinded, that I've been tricking you. I am so happy you're free now. No way he's going he's to try through deception and through trickery and through schemes to bring things over and over into your mind. That's why we have to take the time to, Lord, I'm going to think like you want me to think. Amen. I'm going to let the Word of God now determine the way I think. So I want you to know something this morning. You are a child of God here today. Born again. Amen. Washed not in the blood of bulls and goats, but in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says this, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. You're not your own. You're not your own. You belong to God. Can somebody help me preach this this morning? 
I'm going to tell you what. And you say, well, what does all this got to do with, with overcoming the I can'ts? Everything. Because how you see God and how you see Him versus how you see yourself, you either see Him big and mighty and lifted up or you see yourself as some little worm in the dust, can't get over it, can't be victorious, can't be free. If you see yourself like this, it's not the devil keeping you bound, it's your thoughts keeping you bound. That's why the Bible tells us that we have to take the time to not remove our mind. Amen. Renew our mind to the Word of God. Now, let me, let me tell you something real quickly here. Let, let me spend just a few moments here going over some sources of the I can'ts. Will that be okay? Just some sources. Where do these I can'ts, where do they, where do they come from? What, what, is the, what is the source of these I can'ts? And I would imagine some of you would be able to tell me, well, Pastor, I, I, I can tell you something right now. But let's just walk through a few of these, okay? Number one, I believe, source of, of the I can'ts is fear. Would you agree with that fear? I can't do it. I just, I, I tried it before. I was a failure. Uh, I've heard of, you know, people have told me I can't do it because I don't have enough education, uh, this and that. And so fear keeps us from moving forward. It, 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 it just kind of encircles our life and paralyzes us where we can't move forward. So fear is one of the, maybe the primary source of the I can'ts. I can't tithe. I can't give because if I do that, I won't have enough. All right, and, and so there's things that we see, things that, uh, about ourselves and about our situations that, that prevent us from really grabbing a hold of a promise of God that says, I can do this, and I'm not going to let fear keep me back. I'm not going to let anything the devil brings in that area of fear cause me not to move forward. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. They'll put these verses on the screen for you, but in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Verse 17 through 19. This is from the Amplified Classic Version. It says this, If you say in your minds and hearts, now this is Moses rehearsing with the children of Israel right before they go into the promise. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. It's time for them to go in and possess the land. And so God, is through Moses, is rehearsing with them things that they want them to know. This land is yours. It's, I promised you, but there's some things that I want you to know. Then he says this, once again in verse 17 of Deuteronomy 7, If you say in your minds and hearts, these nations are greater than we are, how can we dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. Oh, I love this. But remember earnestly what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. The great trials which your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the people of whom you are afraid. Listen, he said, yeah, there's things you know, that, that, that you'll see that will try to tell you, you can't overcome this land. There's things that you'll see, as I've already mentioned some of them, you, you can't be successful. What makes you think you can be successful? You don't have the right education. You don't, you don't have the, the right pedigree. All the, what you don't have, instead of going, hey, listen, I know what I do have. I am a child of God, and I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and what I need to know and what I need to, 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 to be successful the way God wants me to be successful, God will teach it to me. Amen. Amen. And so, but fear keeps us back. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. Maybe the number one. Fear of failure. I'll never forget when we started the church, our very first service, we had 55 people at our first service. 
thank God we had, I think we had like uh, 12 or 13 family members and friends, maybe more than that, came to support us and help us. And we had other people that came. But I'll be honest with you, that first service we had, I was just hoping somebody would show up. Besides the family. Besides people that had to be there. <laughs> Whether they wanted to or not, no, they wanted to be there. But they, I'm telling you, it was fear. I thought, they don't know me, and I've never done this. And, you know, the devil said, yeah, who do you think you are? And we had people that tell us, was told Stephanie, mainly, you know, that we were, while we were in Dothan, we were here to start a church, and they go, there's a lot of churches in Dothan. Dothan doesn't need any more churches. And, and I heard, heard that, and I'm going, yeah, maybe they don't. Maybe we don't need any more churches. Listen, I'm just like you. I entertain thoughts that come just like they come to you. And so we, we went and bought some chairs, and I was going to put out just a few chairs. You know, just put, Steph said, put the chairs out. Thank God for a believing wife. <laughs> and she said, put all the chairs. And so we put all the chairs out we could there. And somebody walked in that wasn't. Uh, a family member. I went, that's it. I'm happy. <laughs> but listen, then we had somebody else come and somebody else come and somebody else come. And there's some, and there's some of those somebody's here right now today still. And they, and, they, and, they, and they kept coming back. And we dropped down a little bit to about 25 or 30 people. But then the Lord allowed us to grow and to do things that we're doing today. And thank God for that. But there was a fear of failure. I've shared with you this when we were building this facility. I came walking around, the, I came walking from my house and I was walking around and I look at all this ground under construction. They're building the buildings. And the thought came to me, what are you doing? No, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? I'm thinking, I don't know what I've done. I don't know. What have I done? But then I took about five or six steps, and I went, no, I know what I've done. Maybe longer, maybe a few more than that. I'm thinking, uh-uh, God, you told me to do this. It wasn't my, it wasn't my desire that I had strong. I wanted to build a church that, we could, that would grow and touch people and help people's lives to know Jesus and be free. But you tell me the fear of failure. Everybody faces the fear of failure. There was a man I talked to in this church for a number of years. He, he told me, he said, Pastor, when we were at a place where, I mean, it was like they were coming to get everything I owned, and they, they were coming to get, I mean, they, if they had taken my family, they probably could have, or they would have, because I was mortgaged to the hilt, he said, but we stayed with it. And yeah, there was a fear of failure. You feel like, what's going to happen? What are people going to think of me? But he said, we stayed with it, and God's blessed and honored them for many, many years now. Listen, I'm telling you what, there's one thing you, that you, you can be guaranteed of. If you don't take steps of faith out of fear, you'll stay in fear all your life. I'm telling you, I would have I much rather, me personally, have, have taken a step out. Amen. And dream the dream. Amen. John Osteen, one of, one of my mentors spiritually. I mean, I just love Brother Osteen. He used to say something, and it went something like this. When I was a youth, I, I stood at the stars. and oh, No, that's not how, how does it go. When I was a youth, help me, Lord. When I stand in youth by the story, it, it's really real to me. Can you tell? Uh, anyway, help me, Lord. Help me. I'm up here struggling. Um, 
But anyway, basically it was this. He, he basically said this. When I was a youth, I, I, I dreamt. I had a dream of doing great things. You know, and, and I, I believed that I could do great things. But yet life tried to tell me that you couldn't do great things. But at the end, I got to the end and I went and I, stood, and I took steps of faith that got me to where I am today. And he said, I am thankful that at the end, the dream came true. And there's times we do, you know, sit, sit there at those, at those streams when we're young and we have a vision and we have a, a desire and we have these things that we believe God wants us to do. And, and then life comes. <laughs> and it knocks us down at times. It, it throws us curves. Things happen. But in the end, I love the end of it where it says, at the end, I, I dreamed the dream and the dream came true. What does that mean? Man, I stayed with it and what I saw God doing in my life and what I believed he could do, it came to pass. Amen. But if you let fear of failure, fear of men, you know, fear of lack. Anybody ever had a fear of lack before? Hey, all of us have probably had a fear of lack before. These fears can keep us back. Another source of of the I can'ts is comfort zones. Comfort zones. Where we don't want to take steps out. We like our little world like it is. Don't rock my boat. I'm okay. Well, I tell you what, um, I'm here to rock your boat. Amen. I hope I do rock your boat sometimes. I hope that what, what we minister in the way of the challenge from the Word of God doesn't condemn you, doesn't judge you, but it, you go, you know, yeah, I am in a comfort zone right now. Life is just really comfortable. Listen, I'm telling you what, comfort is not all it's cranked up to be at times. Comfort, comfort can produce ruts. Comfort can produce ways of thinking that just want to have you sit back and just stop and, and just kind of let life pass you by. I like discomfort at times. And I'm going to tell you right now, my flesh is not always the most excited about, dis, about things that challenge my flesh. I've got flesh like you. But I'm telling you what. Discomfort many times can be a catalyst for spiritual growth. Amen. It's discomfort will cause you to go, you know, I need to press in. I need to look at what God wants me to do and step out of this boat. Can you say amen this morning? Amen. So comfort zones can be, can be a source, if you will, of I can'ts. How about this? Who or what I'm listening to? Who or what am I listening to can be sources of I can'ts. You listen to the world, what people say, or you listening to God. Jesus would say this, there are many voices in the world, none of them without signification. There's a lot of things, that, a lot of voices that are coming at us in different ways. It's, what are we going to listen to, Brother James? What are we going to give attention to? What voice are we going to listen to? The voice of God, the voice of the Spirit, or the voices of the world that says, you can't do that. You can't be successful. You can't start that business. They've got all kinds of businesses just like yours already in Dothan. Why would you want to start a business? God said he wants me to. Amen. Taking those steps of faith. And who and what am I listening to? Now, I love this one. This is one that really helps me a lot. I mean, not helps me, but one that I have to face and challenge that, that wants to keep me back is too much self-awareness. The I can't, so too much self-aware of me. I can't do this. Gideon, prime example. God comes to Gideon and says, I'm choosing you, mighty man of valor, to deliver my people from the Midianites. And he went, all right, I'm ready, God. Here I come, ready or not, no. What happened? No, he didn't say that. He said, who am I? My family's weak. And matter of fact, I'm the weakest in my family. And God still said, uh-uh, I'm sending you. And God used him. Too much self-aware, aware of self, aware of weaknesses, aware of our own shortcomings, aware of things that, that tend to, to keep us from moving forward. 
Can you have too much self-awareness in your life? Absolutely. And I said, I've, I've, I've dealt with this. Be too, too much aware of me. I remember uh, when we, I was praying, this has been, been going about two or three years, and I asked God, I said, I said, God, what's going on? We, we need to see some growth and help us, you know. And, and the Lord said this to me. He said, if you'll get out of the way, I'll bless your ministry. And I went. I got a little offended. I'm like, what do you mean get out of the way? I mean, Lord, and, and I, I listed the things that I was doing. And again, the Lord said, if you'll get out of the way, I'll bless your ministry. And I said, okay, I'm stepping back. And I and I've endeavored, I hadn't been perfect at it, but I've endeavored to just to let him be the one that's leading this. Amen. More aware of him and less aware of me. Less aware of the weaknesses. Because I know my weaknesses. I know my shortcomings. I don't magnify them, but I'm aware of some things that I'm working on. But self-awareness can keep us from moving into what God has for us. Jesus said this, listen, without me, you can't do anything. And now right now, what he said to you, without me, you can't do anything. But through me. You can do all things. And then finally, this one, condemnation, was a source of, I can't, condemnation, guilt. Con- condemnation in the Greek, is, it's, a, it's a judicial term. It means to be, to be announced to be guilty and then, then to be judged. Well, the Scripture says this, that there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. On my past, anything that's happened, anything that will happen, the scripture tells me there's no, help me out guys, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the I can'ts that come out of our minds because we feel condemned, we feel judged. Gosh, I I can't do that because of whatever. Listen, there's no condemnation. So don't let these things, and there are others, these are not the only ones, are the other things that, that I could have mentioned that would, would keep these I can'ts kind of flowing into our lives. So we need to recognize them, don't we? We need to recognize and acknowledge the enemy, his voice, what he's trying to do to get us to focus on ourself, but let him be God in our life. That's what, you know, John said like this, he must increase, but I must what? I must decrease. I'm a, I let him be the Lord of my life. I let him take complete control of my life. And it'll bring about change. Now, let me close with this this morning. How does change come? Real quick, how does change come? You want it. You just pray, Lord, change me, change me, change me. No, <laughs> no. How does change come? Change comes by doing what we call renewing our minds. The ways that we think differently. Scripture says this in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That word prosper there means to have a successful journey. You know God wants you to have a successful journey in life. That means having all your needs met, having more than enough to bless and help and encourage people. But it comes by, listen, I want to think differently. Think differently. Lord. I want you to help my mind to think like you want me to think. And it comes by taking the Word of God. It's so simple. Taking the Word of God and going, Lord, teach me. Anybody want to? Anybody have a hunger for the truth here today? Amen. I pray you do. I pray that you have a hunger and a desire for the truth, because the truth is may at times go crossways with your flesh, <laughs> and it will. But truth will set you free. So, Lord, help me to see and think like you want me to see and think, and take the time, folks. That's why we encourage you. I've said this I don't know how many times, but I'm going to say it again. How many times? Take this word and let it change the way you think. And it will. 
It will. It'll change the way you look at things. It'll change the way you, you deal with things. It'll change, it'll change everything about your life. But you've got to know what this book says. That's why, listen, we're going to stay with this word right here at Cornerstone Church. Amen. We're going to stay with it. Come on now, because it's working. Amen. It, it brings change. It brings results that the devil hates, the world make, make fun of. But listen, I don't care what the devil thinks. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to stay with this book right here. Amen. And let it change the way I think and the way that I look at things in life. 